Thank you, Carrie. Good morning, everyone. Turn to your neighbor and say good morning. Look at somebody you don't know and bug them. Just tell them good morning, smile real big, big teeth, big smile. We're going, we're back in Revelation. Revelation chapter 11. If you open your Bibles, you guys pull it, pull up the screen in the back would be awfully good. I want to welcome people watching online. And today we are talking, what's our title? Somebody tell me. The Kingdom Announcements. Now, when you come to church and I come to church, I pray you have a good experience. I pray you're lifted, encouraged, strengthened, you learn some things, you go out with a little more joy. But I want to say... We can't look for just the encouragement at the expense of the truth. And we have to deal with everything the scripture talks about. And there's times I'm going, Lord, I don't want to talk about that. But we have to talk about things. And there's some tough things in this passage, but it's things we as followers of Christ need to know about. Now, my job as a pastor, and if you teach the Bible to children, to seniors, to couples, whatever, you should have the same goals. Well, what are the goals? Just just elaborate on what the Scripture says. What does the Scripture say? You'll never be wrong if you just say, this is what the Scripture says. Next, state what it means. And each week, I attempt to do some interpretation of what this could mean so we can wrestle with it. But you have to wrestle with it, and I have to wrestle with it. And the last thing is, then what are we going to do with it? Every time you read the Bible for yourself at home, you should be one thing that you want to think about as you start your day. Now, uh, let me go back a little bit. And give you the big picture because I want you to see the whole picture of the book of Revelation. I see three purposes in the book of Revelation, and here's what they are. And and what we'll talk about today is pretty sobering. Eyes open, pay attention kind of message. Here's the first purpose for what is going to happen in the days ahead. As foretold in the book of Revelation, in God's mercy, everyone say mercy. Is God merciful, yes or no? Oh yes, he's very merciful. Mercy is always plan A. Spanking and judgment is plan B if you don't pay attention. So in his mercy, he's going to bring pressure on mankind during this time we read about. And the purpose of pressure, is pressure good or bad? I'm sorry, is it good or bad? It's good. And sometimes instead of asking God to bless your children, maybe you should ask God to put pressure on your children. That he'll move them, move their hearts in the right direction. And the issue is they need to repent. He wants the earth to repent, to choose another direction before it's too late. What do you mean before it's too late? As we get to the end of Revelation, the world as we know it will change. And it will be a new world order. And it will be too late for a lot of people. So that's the purpose there, the first purpose. And during this time, more people will come to Christ than any other time in history. People in every culture, every city, every tribe, every tongue. I mean, the multitudes, potentially billions of people will find Jesus as their Savior during this difficult time. And then the second reason, point B. God the Father is going to deal with all rebellion once and for all. Rebellion is not the norm for this planet, yet it it is a norm right now, but it's not the norm for the kingdom. Rebellion, wickedness, and selfishness. So he's going to deal with all of it 
And the last one, point C, he wants to bring glory to the name and honor to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. That should be all of our goals. Lord, let me glorify you. Let me honor you. Let me help people come to find you and walk with you as Savior and Lord. Now, let me read. Everybody got your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up. Let me see them. Always bring your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Study your Bibles. So we finished off at verse 14 last week. Pick up at verse 15 this week. Then the seventh angel, what number? Seventh angel blew his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign for how long? Forever and ever. Amen. So when the seventh angel blew his trumpet, things happened. It announced a shift. Everyone say shift, please. A shift. What, what is a shift? We saw a shift this week. What shift did we see? We saw Queen Elizabeth II pass away. She died on Friday after a 30-year, mostly stable reign. Now she, 30, sorry. The answer is on the scripture, on the PowerPoint, not what I say. I made such a mess of the first service. I had people in the back having to change all my stuff because I was so messed up. 70-year reign. And they went through wars. They went through difficulty. They went through nation changing and nation building. And yet, Queen Elizabeth was a stable force for the nation. And she had real faith. I believe she trusted in Jesus Christ as her Savior. This is her full name when she was born. Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor. She was of the house of Windsor. Wasn't she a pretty, elegant woman? She became queen at age 25. This is a picture of her coronation. Can you imagine the coronation of our Lord and Savior one day in heaven? And we will get to be a part of that. So she was born Her firstborn, Charles, she was 22 years of age. What a beautiful picture. Look at that proud mother. So Charles is her firstborn. This is Charles now. He is age 73. And on Friday when his mother died, he became king of Great Britain. Now, that's what you call a shift. A shift for that country. Well, what we're reading in Scripture in Revelation chapter 11, starting at verse number 15, is a whole shift. And it's an important shift that followers of Christ should know about. Now, in these verses, there are eight significant dramatic things that are announced in the Scriptures. And these are very important for you and me. Why are they important for you and me? Because they are coming. This is why we are studying chapter by chapter the book of Revelation. We are seeing a lot of these things come together. And we need as the body of Christ to be prepared and alert. And most Christians have no clue to what is going to happen. Now, here's the first of the eight things in this shift. The first thing we see, matter of fact, let me just read that whole text, okay? Got your Bible still open? Revelation 11, 15, the seventh angel blew his trumpet, loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces. They worship God. And here's what they say. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is, who was, 
For you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged arrived. And for the rewarding of your servants, the prophets and the saints, those who fear your name, both small and great, for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Now look at verse number 19. It's interesting. I puzzled over this and wondered why it was here. Verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened. The ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. and There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and an earthquake and heavy hail. Now that is not a weather pattern. That is John's view of the holiness of God. So here's the first of the eight. The choirs of heaven erupted, shouting this, the kingdom of our world, the kingdom of our world has become present tense, the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Now, why singular the kingdom of this world? Because at this period, Revelation 11, the Antichrist is ruling the beast, most of the earth. Satan is the god of this world. He calls, he calls the direction of much of the earth behind the scenes. And so at this announcement, this announcement of victory is signifying the rule of the Antichrist and the rule of Satan in the world is now officially over. Someone say amen. Can you say it a little louder? Amen. Aren't you glad evil will be vanquished? Wars will stop. Evil will be done away with. And this is the announcement. Right here, this is the announcement. And it all belongs to the Lord Jesus. Now, let me talk about the Lordship of Christ found here in the book of Revelation. Christ will not apparently claim all of his royal rights until he physically returns to earth. And he will physically return to earth. One day, the world will see him. And he will return to deal with his enemies and set up his kingdom on this planet. Because the victory actually has already been won. Where has it been won? When he died on the cross, he rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. That's when the victory was won. Now Satan, the accuser, a created being... When Jesus was walking the earth very early in his ministry, he faced 40 days of temptation from the adversary. Three specific temptations. And the last one was, he showed him all the past and future kingdoms of the earth. And he said, you can have all of these. You say, could he have given them to Jesus? Yeah, he's the God of this world. He could have done that. If you just fall and worship me, you can have all of these. And our Savior, I'm glad, said this. I'm told, we are told to worship the Lord God and him alone. Now, instead of claiming these kingdoms, here's what he did. What did he do? He died on the cross. The next thing, he rose from the grave on the third day. The fourth thing he did, he paid the penalty for our sin.
And then he purchased us a place in heaven, which he offers as a free gift. Everyone say free gift. It has already been paid for. Now, when we teach people to share the gospel, and we do that on Thursday nights, we have some hand motions that I've trained pastors with and hand motions I've trained teachers with. And can I just show you very briefly? It's very simple. Everyone hold your right hand out. Some of you, that'd be your other right hand. Hold your right hand out. And let me show you, okay? This is what he did. This is the five points of the gospel. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He paid the penalty for our sin. It's like putting a credit card in a gas pump. He paid the penalty for our sin to purchase us a place in heaven, which he offers as a gift. Okay? Isn't that easy? Most important thing anyone will ever hear. And I will never get tired of doing that. Let's try it one more time, okay? Right hand, okay? He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He paid the penalty for our sin to purchase us a place in heaven, which he offers as a gift. You see, mankind's way of salvation is to earn their salvation. But Christ's way is it is a gift and it's already been paid for. Now let me go back to this lordship thing. We are not saying that Jesus is not reigning now because he is reigning. He is at the Father's right hand in heaven. Also, he is coming soon. How soon? We just got a day closer. And he will defeat all of his enemies and rule the nations with a rod of iron. We talked about that in Revelation chapter 2. Also, this chapter tells us that victory is assured. No matter how bleak or difficult your circumstances are right now, victory is assured. Well, why would you say that? Because I know followers of Christ are suffering all over the globe, and many of you have had difficult, hard times, and the Lord understands But victory is coming. Now, when John wrote this as dictated to him by the Lord Jesus, remember he was sentenced to a rock of an island 500 miles off the coast of Turkey. And when he wrote this, this was a very difficult time for followers of Christ because many of them were dying by the thousands for their faith. And they did it willingly. They did it willingly because they would rather have him than have the comforts of this world. And I would just say over and over and over because it says it over and over and over in the book of Revelation that Jesus is Lord and he's he's the Lord of all lords and he is the king of all kings. There's no one greater. There's no one more powerful. And that is who our Savior is. Now, going to the second uh, important event found in Revelation 11, and that is the ruling elders of heaven. Well, who are these folk? I believe, they don't believe they're angels. They are 24 of the most honored people that have ever served God throughout their lifetime. And they have responsibility. They have wisdom. They have great power. And at this moment, when the seventh angel blew his trumpet, they got up off of their thrones. They went forward. They tossed their crowns before the Lamb of God. And this is what they did. They worshiped. That's what we do. Every day of our life, we worship. That's the first thing I do. First thing, I get into scriptures, and I go for my prayer time. I spend that time in worship. And the scripture says they worshiped and they give thanks to the Lord God Almighty because of his great power. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, first, I'd like to ask you, are you a grateful person? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you a grateful person? 
Are you grateful every single day? Do you get up in the morning and thank God for his goodness that you're alive, that he loves you and you love him and you're on the earth because you have a purpose and you have a calling and you have things to offer? Or is your attitude based on your circumstances? Well, I'm not doing too good today. I'm struggling. Well, where's your gratitude for what has happened? And gratitude should come not because of your circumstances, but because of what the 24 elders saw, who is on the throne. If he's on the throne, he's got me. If he's on the throne, this is going to work out. If he's on the throne, I can be grateful. I can have a smile on my face. And I can serve like he wants me to serve. Now here's the third thing in this passage. John wrote that because of the trumpet blast, he noticed that the nations were very angry. They were enraged. What do you mean? Well, is there a lot of mocking of the things of God today in our culture? I would say so. Well, the question is, why are the nations, why are people in our nation angry? And I came up with five reasons. Well, what are they? Well, here's the first one. Because they don't want anybody to govern them. They don't want anybody to tell them they're wrong. They don't want anybody to tell them that their lifestyle will hurt them. They don't want anybody to say that. So they're angry. They're infuriated. They're resentful. Now the reason? Their hearts. Is it always about hearts? Their hearts are evil. Their hearts are about themselves. Their hearts are full of pride. Now if you go back 600 years before Christ to the book of Isaiah, chapter 14 gives about 10 verses that talks about before the earth was created. That there was a super angel called Lucifer. And Lucifer over time decided he could be God instead of God the Father. And he led a rebellion against the Father that he persuaded one third of the angelic leaders to go with him. And five different times in that passage, he says, I will be like the Most High God. I will ascend above all gods. I will be this. I will be that. And pride always has a I problem. Here's another reason. Many folks feel like God doesn't exist. And that the Lord Jesus is a myth. And they don't want anybody telling them differently. And the last reason is the best, is the most important reason is because there is a super being who speaks lies all the time. His name is Satan. He's called the devil. He is the accuser of the brethren and he is a father of lies. And he or an unclean spirit attempts to lie to us all the time. And we have to recognize his lies and say that's not true. Now, our enemy Satan knows he's going down very, very soon when the Lord physically returns. And so therefore, because he cannot hurt God, he wants to hurt what God loves, which is people. Therefore, he wants to take as many people down with him as possible. And it reminds me of this man. Who is this man? (laughs) Who did someone say? I didn't get that. Adolf Hitler is a war drew to a close in 1945. He could have saved the country. By surrendering. Instead, this is what he did. He marshaled all the young boys of Berlin and all the old men who could barely walk and gave them guns 
and told them to go fight the hard, battle-tested Russian army that was coming from the West. He didn't care about them. And this demon-possessed, crazy man took his life in a bunker just shortly after this photograph. And his thought is the same thought the devil has. If I can't have the country, I don't want anybody to have the country. I'd rather have everyone killed and see everything ruined. And that's just about what he did. Satan has a horrible plan for your life and he wants to ruin you completely. Number four. It is announced in chapter 11 that the intensity of God's wrath will grow stronger. Now, if you've been with us over these months as we've gone through the book of Revelation, there are three large judgment sections. One is the seven seals. Everyone say seven seals. And it's the book that was opened one seal at a time by the Lamb of God. And every time a seal was opened, Difficult things came to the planet and ruined the economy or ruined uh, the environment, putting pressure on the Antichrist and his empire. And then we see the seven trumpets. This passage in verse 15 started with, with what trumpet being blown? The seventh. Now the last of the judgments always opens the door for the next one. So the seventh trumpet sets us up for the next series. What's the next series? The seven bowl judgments. As my wife was proofing my PowerPoint this morning, she was saying, oh my, those bowl judgments are very, very, very painful. The, these judgments will be particularly hard on this human being that will come to power at some time called the Antichrist and his false empire, revealing what a charlatan and a liar and an imposter he is. The next thing we see in the passage, John wrote down that it was time for the dead to be judged. You say, well, Steve, I don't want to hear this stuff. Hey, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it because that's what the scripture says. Well, what does it mean? Well, let me show you what I think it means. The unrighteous dead will be judged. Those away from God, those who have resisted God, those who have disobeyed God, and they will be pronounced guilty. And they will be sentenced. What do you mean sentenced? The temporary prison is called a place called Hades. That's a Greek term. It's a place that Jesus talked about. It's a place that Jesus said, not as a parable. He said there was a man, a very wealthy man. And he had a poor beggar outside of his estate. The wealthy man had everything. The poor beggar had nothing. This story is not about wealth or poverty. So don't mistake that. But the wealthy man decided he didn't need God at all, wouldn't submit, wouldn't walk with him, wouldn't obey him. And when he died, he found himself in this place called Hades. Somehow he looked across into the heavenly realm and he saw Abraham and he said, Abraham, please get me out of this place because I am, these are Jesus's exact words. I am in agony in this flame. And Abraham said, there's a great gulf or chasm fixed. I cannot come. And he said, can you at least send someone with a drop of water on the tip of their finger to give me relief? And he said, I cannot. Then he said this, the beggar, the poor beggar that lived outside the gates of my estate, I know he's with you in paradise. Would you send him? Or would you send an angel to talk to my five wicked brothers? Because I want to warn them that they will not come here. 
And Abraham said, if they will not listen to the scriptures, they will not listen even if somebody comes back from the dead. This is the reason we love people. One of the reasons. This is the reason we show kindness. This is the reason we share the good news of Christ with people. We want to spare them this. Now, after Christ's thousand-year reign, and we'll get to that later in weeks down the road, something called the millennium that is found in Revelation chapter 20, after Christ comes back, vanquishes his enemies, he will set up his kingdom on earth for 1,000 years. And after the millennium, the people that are in Hades will go for their final sentencing. And I, I don't like to say this. I don't like to talk about this. But Jesus talked about it, so I must talk about it. They're sentenced to the lake of fire where the Antichrist will be, his mouthpiece, the false prophet, and where Satan ultimately will be sentenced. And the scripture is very plain. It's forever and ever and ever and no Second chances. Now, point number six talks about where you come in. John was told to write down, this is a time of the reward for the servants of God, for the saints, people that have served God, love God, where they will be rewarded for their faithful servant. The scripture says for those who fear respect and honor his name. I cannot tell you how important this is. Let me say this point a second time. You do not work to go to heaven based on your good deeds. It is a free gift. For by grace we've been saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God lest Anyone should boast. It is a gift. Everyone say gift, please. I didn't know that. I was raised in church. I thought, man, there must be some kind of scales in heaven that if I did enough good things to outweigh my bad things, that God would see I'm a good person and good people go to heaven and bad people do not. It's not true. There's no scales. It is a gift. A complete gift. Unearned, undeserved the issue is, will you accept the gift of forgiveness? Now, this is important. I want you to hear this. Eternal rewards are based on the faithfulness of your service to God over your lifetime. The best testimony of a life of a follower of Christ is someone that receives Christ four, five, or six, and they faithfully serve him all the days of their life. And they go home to be with him in their 70s or 80s, and they're rewarded for all this time of serving. I have had many corrupt, wicked men make decisions for God on their deathbed, and I'm always glad to See them make that decision, but they have wasted their life. They have wasted their life. They have not served Christ. They have not served the Lord. And how do we serve Him? We use the gifts God gave us to serve Him. There's a story Jesus told about a master, a rich man who left on a long journey. He left one trusted servant, five talents. A talent was a section of money, another one two, another one one. And he said, I'm coming back. And yet most of us live like he's not coming back. He is coming back. And the scripture says he will settle accounts with everyone. This is critical to your eternal future. 
I want to inspire you. I want to help you. I don't want to condemn you. I'll never do that. I want you to go, hey, I've been given gifts. I'm a mechanic. I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher. I'm in construction. I'm a, I'm a nurse. Uh, I work with children. Uh, I farm. I'm an artist. I write music. Whatever you do, your gifts are from him to be used to help other people. And he expects us to use our gifts. And I want to say these rewards last for all eternity. You should study this in the scriptures. The seventh part is what the Lord said in this passage, he will destroy all those who destroy the earth. And that's not people that ruin the water supply and pollute the atmosphere. It's for people that destroy what God loves. And he is very patient. He is very kind. He is very forgiving. But there is somewhere a line in the sand where he goes, my patience with this planet is over. And because I'm holy, and because I'm righteous, because I hate evil, I will step in and I will put an end to it. Worship team, would you guys come out, please? The last thing we see in the passage is kind of puzzling to me because I've read it many, many times. And I'm going, why is that here? It seems completely disconnected. I think it's perfect. After I've thought about it for a while, what's it talking about? John said, I saw heavens open. And I saw the temple in the next realm open. And I could see into the temple. And I saw the ark of the covenant. Why? Why was John told to write all this? I'll tell you why. God was making a statement. He never does anything without a reason. He's making a statement. Well, what's the statement, Steve? Here's the statement. I'm perfectly holy. I am morally perfect. I always keep my promises. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. Covenant is a promise. And I want you to be with me forever. Because he's merciful, kind, forgiving, and loving. And that's how John ends the chapter. I hope that's good enough for you. That you're wanted, loved, and cared about. Now, before we have our final couple of songs, I need to just say something. On this day in history, 21 years ago, our nation was changed. And frankly, all the nations of the world were changed. This day. And yeah, I know there were some angry young men that wanted to make a statement. I get that. But I think there's a bigger picture. And I don't think our nation has figured out the bigger picture. And we should see the big picture. Well, what is the big picture, Steve? Well, I think here's the big picture. The Creator, the Lord Almighty, is speaking to our country. And I believe His voice is louder and louder and louder. I think it's louder now than ever before. But I think by and large, our country and probably the church followers of Christ are not listening, are not paying attention. Because we're kind of focused on what we want to do. But knowing God, he 
Because he's merciful. Is he merciful? Yes or no? Is he merciful? He's very merciful. Because he's merciful, he will get our attention one way or the other. He will do whatever he has to do to get our attention. In raising my sons, the first lesson I had to, my wife and I had to instill is they needed to listen to our voice. If they didn't listen to our voice, we're not going to go anywhere as a family. If I say stop, I want you to stop. If I say come, I want you to come. If I want you to help, I want you to help. The Father's the same way. And the whole book of Revelation starts with let the churches hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Well, what is he saying, Steve? This is what I think he's saying. It's not the Democratic parties, Republicans. It's not people in Frankfurt or Washington that he's speaking to. Yeah, he's speaking there. But he's speaking to people that love him or say they love him. And he's wanting us to repent of our sins in his eyes. Well, what would they be? Well, here's one being lukewarm. Revelation said, I wish you were either hot or cold. Completely in or not in at all instead of halfway. And I think across the body of Christ in our nation, pretty much that's what's happening. Or our prayerlessness. We do everything but seek his face corporately and individually and idolatry. What do you mean idolatry? Anything we put before him is an idol, even good things. And disobedience. This book tells us how we should live and what he wants. And we often tell him, uh, I'm good. Uh, well, he knows we're not good. And he wants us to repent and turn before it's too late. What do you mean? There is a line somewhere where he's going to ramp up the pressure and he's going to allow things to happen and it will not be fun and its purpose is to get our attention so what we're going to do at the end of this service here we are a house of prayer we value prayer more than anything else our nation the body of Christ, we need the fear of the Lord more than anything else. That means we honor Him, we revere Him, we put Him first, not 10th, not 11th. So during these last moments, I'm going to ask as many of you who can to just come to our altar. We do this a lot. These altars are used a lot. It's a place where we humble ourselves before the Lord. So would you just come this morning? Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for the body of Christ. Let's pray for righteousness and justice. Let's pray for forgiveness. Let's pray that the Lord would grant humility. That God would raise up a new generation of leaders whose hearts belong to him. Let's pray for this city, our state, our nation. Let's pray for the nations that have come here to this part of Kentucky, that we would love them and serve them. So you can stand and pray, you can sit and pray, you can kneel and pray. Lord, this morning, we want to say you have our attention and we are very sorry for the coldness of our hearts, for our selfishness, the millions of innocent lives that have been aborted. We're sorry for the confusion that's being taught our children about their sexuality. We're sorry that good people that love God have not taken responsibility for leadership in our country. Lord, we're sorry for the divisiveness 
among your people. We're sorry that we've not helped the poor like we should. And we've not obeyed the scriptures. So Lord, hear our prayer this morning. Bring a turning, bring an awakening. We say, Lord, you have our attention.
together in a father we love you we worship and adore you glorify thy name in all the
before we close in prayer, I wanted Pastor Bill to share something about today. Would you please? Well, 21 years ago, this day means a lot to me, just like it means so much to people around the world, especially New Yorkers. And on Labor Day weekend, 21 years ago, me and Carolyn decided to go to New York City to just go visit our hometown, my hometown, because it's the best weekend to go visit New York because all the New Yorkers are gone on Labor Day weekend. And it's, it's, a, it's a great time to go to New York. And Carolyn had made reservations, and she actually made a reservation in a hotel right across the street from the World Trade Center. And I usually, we usually stay on the other side of Manhattan. But we had a chance to go into the Trade Center. I was just a crazy evangelist back then, just passing out tracts, talking to people about Jesus all the time, and had a chance to spend several days at the Trade Center. And we went to a church service that Sunday that marked our lives forever. We walked into Times Square Church, and uh, where David, the late David Wilkinson was the head pastor, and Carter Conlon was the lead pastor at this moment. And we walked in there, and 3,000 people were on their knees just weeping and wailing and crying and we didn't know what was happening before we knew it we were weeping and wailing and crying we started repenting of things I, I didn't even know I had in my life As we were in the presence of God they couldn't start the service about an hour later Pastor Carter Conlon got up and said he said Obviously, we're in the presence of God right now. And if you've been with us for the past couple of months, the Holy Spirit has visited our church. And the only thing that we know is that calamity is going to hit New York. You see, God always, in his mercy, speaks to us before things happen. And he let that church know that calamity was going to hit New York we didn't know what to even think about that. We flew home. We drove, I couldn't remember if we flew or drove, but we, we went home, and the following Tuesday, the buildings came down. His message, his next message was, the towers are falling, but we missed the message. I wonder if we're missing the message because God's speaking to us today. I still have a a visual of firefighters and police officers running up the stairs knowing that they weren't going to come back down the stairs. And Moses said in Deuteronomy 6.23, he said, God brings us out so that he can bring us in. You know, God pulls us out and saves us so that he can bring us in to everything that he has for us. And I believe that he's preparing us. And like Pastor Steve said, it's the greatest time in the world to be a Christian. But the question is, are we hearing his voice? Are we consecrating ourselves and repenting of everything that we need to repent of and being all that God's called us to be? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss whatever God's doing in our country, in our lives. But it starts with us personally. And I believe there will be another great awakening before Jesus comes back. And I don't want to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it. Well, Father, we thank you for being so sweet this morning, today. Give us tender hearts. Raise up a praying church. Lord, bring a move of repentance to our city, to our nation, so we can be who you want us to be. And if there's anyone in this room that would rather, would like and is ready to give their heart to Christ, may they find one of the counselors at the end of the service and make that decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day. Pick up your children. Love you very much.